0: Welcome to Thinker Talk, where we chat with thinkers who are turning ideas into reality. I'm Joey Caffone, co-founder of Baron Fig, recording in New York City. And today I'm here with James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, creator of the Habits Academy, and of course, the voice behind JamesClear.com. We're going to talk about the power of good habits, writing a book, and our new collaboration, the Clear Habit Journal. James, thanks for coming on Eureka, man.
1: Joey, great to be with you, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, my God. This is this is a year in the making, I think. <laughs> it
1: is. Yeah. Thank you for sticking with me for that.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, it's it's been quite a journey. So before we dig into the collaboration, I kind of want to start uh, with you and with your background. For those that don't know, JamesClear.com is full of amazing content. And it, instead of me trying to explain it, James, you want to
1: just take it? Sure. So I've been writing at jamesclear.com for a little over six years now. Um, mostly I write about how to build better habits and make better decisions and just generally try to live better and more effectively. Uh, occasionally I'll dip into other topics that are related to self-improvement, things like strength training or productivity and motivation or sleep habits and, you know, anything that's kind of on the periphery there of peak performance. But I've been writing there for a few years and, uh, as I started collecting my thoughts there, I you know had this this uh, body of work building up and started thinking more about writing a book. And so for the last really that's been a three year project uh, from signing the book deal to it being published. But uh, for the last few years, I've been writing and researching uh, the project that has now become Atomic Habits, which is kind of my signature or premium or magnum opus or whatever you want to call it, full kind of full fledged thought on. Uh, how habits work and how we can design them to our liking rather than sort of being the victim of our habits.
0: On your website, you say that the central question you're trying to answer through your work is how can we live better? So have you landed on the idea that habits are the answer to that?
1: Uh, Well, they're one answer. I don't think they're the answer. So the, you know, and this in itself uh, is a simplistic division, but I think that we can divide it mostly into two categories. So first you have your decisions and the decisions that you make create the amount of leverage in your life or set the trajectory for what path you're going to follow. So for example, you could uh, say you want to be an entrepreneur you could make a decision to start uh, you know a software company or you could start uh, you know a local candle shop or something like that and whatever that initial decision is more or less determines like what your leverage is or what kind of trajectory you could follow but the second part of that equation which is just as important are your habits and I, so i think your decisions set the trajectory but your habits determine how far along that path you walk and so it's quite possible that you know your idea for a tech company or a software startup might have a a greater growth curve, might have a greater trajectory in theory. But if you don't have good habits, then you're not going to be able to realize that potential. And so, you know, if you start the local candle shop, but you have great habits, then you may end up further along than someone who just has a good idea, but doesn't have the execution. And uh, of course, what we're really striving to do is to both make great decisions and build great habits. And so I think of those two areas sort of as like the two pillars of of living more effectively or trying to figure out a way to, to live better
0: decisions and habits i have this conversation often uh with my wife ariana about uh planning for the future and my phrase and i don't know if this is this fits into something that you write about but is i i try to say point don't plan Mm. uh in a sense that tying things to time too much can be detrimental do you have any thoughts on that
1: yeah, I like that idea. So, one of the core philosophies of Atomic Habits and and of a lot of my work is that we do not rise to the level of our goals; we fall to the level of our systems. And that doesn't mean that goals are completely useless. Uh, goals are good for setting a sense of direction or deciding, like what you know, what area you want to move toward or where you should focus. And I think that your uh, little encapsulation of that there of point rather than plan. It kind of gets to that idea. It's good to have a target. It's good to to have a direction to point in. Um, But I think where goals are often unproductive or unuseful is when you try to predict the future, when you try to say, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds in six months or I want to earn six figures in, you know, the next nine months or something like that, where you try to predict when uh, a particular result is going to happen. There are a couple of things that happen there. I mean, one is you box yourself into this very narrow, narrowly defined version of success. Um, You know, if you lose 15 pounds in six months, well then you weirdly feel like a failure, even though you're making all this progress because you didn't hit this arbitrary goal that you set, which is very strange. But then there's a second element to this, which is, and this is coming from someone, you know, for many years, I set goals in a lot of areas of my life. I would set goals for the grades I wanted to get in school, for the weights I wanted to lift in the gym, for the results I wanted to get in my business. And eventually I, you know, I would achieve some of those, but a lot of the time I failed. And so what I started to realize is that having a goal is very easy. Ha- having a goal was not what determined whether or not I made progress. What really determined how far I went along that path was the system that I had. And this is kind of where we come back to habits, which is that I would say that habits are like the elements of our system. They're the the fundamental units that make up the system of your life. And This is also a reason that I chose the phrase atomic when I I came up with the title atomic habits, because atomic has multiple meanings. So on the one hand, it does mean small or tiny, like an atom. And I do think that habits should be small and easy to do. But on the other hand, atomic also means like the fundamental unit of a larger system. You know, atoms built into molecules and molecules built into compounds and so on. And I think when it comes to actually making progress uh, in the areas of life that are important to you you often are required to build a system of some sort and you need this like collection of tiny habits and little 1% changes. And it's really the accumulation of those small improvements that lead to something more significant. And so I guess to tie this back up, I like the idea of point rather than plan so that you have a direction to move in. But once you have a direction, the progress you make is much more about the, the system that you've built than the goal that you have set.
0: So I'm here on your website and I'm looking to, um, all the articles that you've written, and it dates all the way back to 2012. So, when you started this, number one, what made you start to take this more serious? And number two, how did you, where did you see yourself going with all of this?
1: Hmm. So, the first question I had been writing about habits for, well, so I've been writing at Jamesclear.com for six years, November 12th, 2012. That was the first article. But I've been an entrepreneur for eight. So you can do the math there. There's kind of a two-year gap before that where I uh, where I started this project. And now I refer to that period as the time when I incubated my skill set. But it basically, I was just figuring it out. I mean, it's the same story as every entrepreneur. I didn't know anything. You know, I didn't know how to build a website. I didn't know how to code. I didn't know what an email list was or any of the basic stuff, how to build a product, why someone would buy a product. And so it took me a while to learn those kind of basic fundamental things. And it took probably at least, I would say, the first 18 months, if not two years, uh, to start to get just some of the basics dialed in. But along that path, I started reading and researching more about habits just for my own use while I was in the middle of all this testing and experimentation as an entrepreneur. And I kept notes in a Word doc, and it got to be like 60 or 65 pages long. Just about like, hey, this is how I could implement some of these ideas for my strength training habits in the gym or for my uh, diet habits in the kitchen or for writing consistently. And eventually, once that document got so long, I was like, all right, this is kind of ridiculous. I should just publish something here. So uh, I put out that first article and I decided that I was just going to publish a new article every Monday and Thursday and like see where that went. Um, and so I stuck with that for three years and that habit of writing a new article every Monday and Thursday is really the thing that like changed the trajectory of my business and like kind of really ultimately led to where we're at now. Um, I don't know that I ever started out to answer your second question where I thought it was going to go. I don't know that I ever really started out thinking, Oh, I want to be an author or I want to be a writer. Um, I really kind of became one by writing twice a week. I I didn't really set out with that goal. What I thought was I want to be an entrepreneur and I still identify more as like an artist or a craftsman than as a a writer and author or something like that. I I think of myself more as someone who like, I want to be helpful. I want to create work that matters. And uh, in a sense, I want to make something that's beautiful, you know, like, and it doesn't have to be a visually beautiful thing, although that's great as well. But uh, each article is kind of like its own little work of art. And I want it to live on its own like that and be beautiful if in the sense that the ideas are clear and simplistic and meaningful and so on.
0: I think that there, in any profession, the people at the top, for lack of a better term, they are artists. Whether it's writing, drawing, design, like you know, more obvious art professions, or even if it's just washing dishes or cleaning up or Things like that. I think there's there's a level of preparedness and attention to detail that kind of transcends everybody else if if you get there. So I mean, sense?
1: watching LeBron play basketball is a form of art. You know, absolutely the level of uh, dedication and depth, and yeah, you're, the points you're making there about attention to detail and so on. There's a shaping of that experience, the mastery of that craft that is, uh, yeah, beautiful and artistic, no matter what the format.
0: So tell me, every time I read a little bit about you, no matter where it is, whether it's on your website, Twitter, you always mention that you're also a weightlifter. So how does that fit into everything?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm very wary of becoming like a new age version of an academic in their ivory tower. You know, like I don't, <laughs> uh, the common criticism of, of professors is that, well, they just sit at schools all day and think up theories and don't actually know what things are like in the real world. And I think if you're not careful, bloggers can be like that too. You know, you just sit there and write about stuff and you don't actually have to, uh, you're not in the thick of it. So I, I believe that strongly that it's important for me to like be in the arena and get knocked around a little bit and fail and get dirty and bloodied up and, um, weightlifting sometimes very literally, uh, is one way to do that. You know, it's, it's one way for me to practice the ideas that I, that I'm writing about and, in a sense, everything that I write is sort of a reminder to myself about how to act or what to focus on. And, um, you know, my readers and I are peers. I mean, we're all going through this and just trying the best we can and seeing what we can learn. And the only difference is when I come across something that I find useful or interesting or learn something, I just happen to write about it and, you know, and post it up online for everybody else to see. But, uh, weightlifting is a way for me to, to practice the craft and not just have an opinion on it. Yeah,
0: when I was in college, the COO of Baron Fig, Jay, and I, we were roommates. We actually went to high school together too. We've known each other for yeah, close to fifteen years. And uh, we, I was a terrible, terrible student. I had no goals, <laughs> grades. It was it was a bad time, but we started working out together and exercising, sprinting, um, doing all sorts of stuff, and that. Despite my lack of discipline in the classroom, it was exercise that taught me the value of tiny little improvements, tiny little efforts that build up over a long period of time. And I think that I definitely wouldn't be sitting here talking to you or or making books at Baron Fig if I had not done that back in the day. It's a powerful
1: lesson. I'm, yeah, I'm biased to uh, using the, the gym as a metaphor for life uh, pretty much anywhere. But I do think that there are so many lessons that translate from that, um, you know, from slow growth and just trying to increase a little bit each day to the importance of showing up, uh, especially on the bad days, you know, days when you don't feel like working out th- a lot of the time, that's the most important day to show up because you maintain your gains rather than take a step backward and lose. And that's, you know, that teaches you a lot as well. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be learned from, uh, from lifting
0: for sure. When I was younger, it was, you know, I had different goals of, uh, reps or weight and now it's just like, it's binary. It's like, did I show up or did I not show up? That's Mm. good enough.
1: Well, you're sort of reinforcing that identity. You know, I mean, this, the ultimately, um, this is one of the reasons I think habits are so important. They, it is true that they can help you become more productive or more mindful or reduce stress or earn more money or get in shape. And those external results are great. But ultimately, each habit that you perform, really, you could say each behavior you perform is like a vote for the type of person that you believe that you are. And every behavior, every moment in life matters. But habits, just by virtue of their nature, the fact that you repeat them day in and day out, they start casting a lot of votes. They form the bulk of the evidence that you have for the self image and uh, that you form and your beliefs about yourself. And that I think is the ultimate, like, real reason that habits uh, have this deep importance in our life is that they are sort of the window through which you shape yourself or see yourself. And if you want to upgrade and expand your identity, if you want to become more confident or boost your self esteem or uh, believe something new about yourself, the way to do that is often by letting your habits lead the way. I mean, every time you sit down to write, you are embodying the identity of being a writer. Every time you go to the gym, you're embodying the identity of someone who doesn't miss workouts. And eventually, if you cast enough votes, uh, that identity is one that you that you uh, connect with and start to believe in. And that's a really powerful place to be, to go from saying, you know, I'm the type of person who wants this. I'm the type of person who is this. And I think that's something really powerful that habits have the opportunity to give us.
0: Nowadays, what are the habits that you're working on?
1: Well, I kind of break it into two categories. So the first category of habits are things that uh, I just want to focus on and uh, get automated. And then I don't really want to think about them that much more. So for example, you know, I mean, basic stuff like brushing your teeth or tying your shoes or whatever. Like, I don't really need a process of continuous improvement for tying my shoes. (laughs) Like, I don't really need to. Once good enough is good enough. And that's true for many different habits in life. And so, um, you know, occasionally there'll be some kind of fundamental habit like that that I need to add. But once I, once I get that kind of dialed in or get the environment designed well enough to, to build it, I don't really think about it that much more. The most recent example there is flossing. So, you know, for a long time, I would brush my teeth twice a day, but I wouldn't floss consistently. And I looked at the habit, and this is actually a, a useful way to think about building any new habit. I just kind of mapped out like the sequence of behaviors that had to happen and then tried to figure out like where are the little points of friction there. So one point of friction was that I didn't see the floss. It was in a drawer. And so like sometimes I just wouldn't remember to pull it out. And then another thing, it sounds kind of silly, but I I didn't like the feeling of wrapping the floss around my fingers and so anyway, I, I went off and I bought some of the pre-made flossers and I got a little bowl and I put them in it and put it right next to my toothbrush. So it was in an obvious location and I would just finish brushing my teeth, put my toothbrush down, pick the flosser up. And you know now I do it twice a day and don't even think about it. Um, so anyway, the point there is just to map out all the behaviors that happen and then figure out where's the friction for you and then make some slight adjustments. And that's kind of the first category of habits. These things that let me just get that set up and then I don't think about it. The second category are, and there's not that many of them for me, I'd say there's probably like two or three areas in my life that are really important to me that I I do want to have a process of continuous improvement for. So things like writing or training in the gym, like those are kind of two big categories for me. And so for those, it's a little bit different um, because a lot of the time measurement can be really useful there. You know, like I'm not going to measure how many times I'm flossing my teeth. But uh, but I will measure how many workouts I get in on average each month, or how many workouts I perform over the course of the year, or how many articles I publish, and so measurement is like a, a really useful tool for some of those big areas. And of course, once you're tracking your habits, then you get some different input. You get some um, you get some data on when you're not being consistent and where you should uh, redirect your efforts and so on. So the strategy differs a little bit for some of those big areas, but that's generally how I think about it.
0: You and I have an overlapping habit, which is right. So for the last 10 years since art school, I've had some form of three or more habits, usually three though, three key ones. And When I started, I think it was design, write, and then I I made this one called maintain, and it was basically to just do one thing every day to take care of like my life to maintain, you know, pay a bill or do the laundry or something like that. Uh, So the one that I that we both have right, and I guess design can also fit this question that I'm going to ask. What do you use to? What are what are your parameters for judging when you've accomplished that habit for the day?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good question for the day is the, the interesting, um, qualifier there. Cause what I usually do is I, so, well, I guess I should just back up. Um, I think people might be surprised at how unstructured I am given how much I talk about habits and routines and so on. Um, one of the things I love is having like an empty calendar day. I mean, that's like my, my preference would just to be have a blank calendar the whole time. Um, I like having a lot of space to create and just kind of see where things take me. But I only trust myself to do that if I have the fundamentals of life, some of these core habits like dialed in and handled and done. And that I think is one of the a common misconception about habits in general, which is that people will say something like, well, I don't want to be robotic. I don't want to, you know, what about spontaneity? What about creativity? What about free thinking? Like, I, I don't want to just be on autopilot with my habits all the time. But that's a false dichotomy. People think that that habits restrict freedom, but actually habits create freedom. Um, when you, it's the person who like, doesn't have their financial habits in order that is always wondering like where the next dollar is going to come from, or it's the person who doesn't have their health habits in order that is never feels like they have enough energy. So it's, it's really actually by mastering those fundamental habits that you create the space and the opportunity for, um, you know, for the ability to, to focus on the creative and free thinking and interesting stuff.
0: Okay. So that I, I'm a hundred percent behind this too. Uh, I've been, I haven't been publicly. I think I did a blog post once like maybe eight or nine years ago about habits. And then that was it for me. Uh, (laughs) but I, at least publicly, but I've been tracking my habits. It's like close to 10 years of data right now. And I've been tracking my food as well, uh, for nearly the same amount of time, everything I eat. Um, so, I still, I still want to readdress the question though. How do you know when it's okay to check off that you have accomplished uh, a habit if it's an abstract habit, like write or exercise? I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. Sorry. So let me come back to that. So the yeah, sure. So the question about um, about when to track it uh, for me, there's usually for these big areas that I'm talking about, there's usually some kind of signal. Um, you know, like the article gets published. Uh, the set is finished in the gym, or the workout is complete, um, and that's that's what I use to to track it or to measure it. But of course, these articles that I'm working on, you know, I mean, they'll take me multiple days to perform or to, to finish. And uh, so i often I often don't track it in that intermediate term. And I I wonder if that's uh, as I'm talking through it here. I wonder if that's a little bit of an error on my end. Um,
0: oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how I've come to, to figure this one out. Um, so, say I have design and write are my two, and they're extremely abstract, and I want to do them every day, right? And I, and I have been for the longest time. My goal then, in order to say that I've accomplished that habit for the day, is to have learned something new or done something new, Period. Um, and I've, I've heard a lot of people try to associate it with time would be like the first way. So they make it very like strict. So if I write for 20 minutes or if I design for 20 minutes, boom, I did it. But for me, I found quickly that I could cheat and I could sit down for 20 minutes and write garbage, or I can design absolutely nothing interesting and then check off that box when really I did not push myself in any way. So the key here is not only to grow, um, and learn, but it's really about being honest with yourself, and I think that is the hardest thing to have someone do alongside uh, abstract habits.
1: So this is actually a, a larger discussion about measurement and tracking, which is a very important point that you're bringing up. And I, I write about this in the book a little bit. And there's this uh, this um, theory, I guess, called Goodhart's Law that essentially says that a measure ceases to be useful when it becomes the target. And so the point is uh, when it only becomes about sitting down for 20 minutes uh, and checking off that box, that's no longer a useful measure because the the point that you were trying to do was to do, you know, 20 minutes of important design work or 20 minutes of good writing um, same way is true for, you know, like if it's all about the number on the scale if it, if, uh, suddenly getting the scale to go lower and you don't really even care about the workout or whether you're healthy or if you're following a good diet or whatever, um, then that measure is no longer useful. It's become the target and that, uh, ceases to, to be, uh, to deliver the advantage that you were looking for. So I think it's an important conversation about like, when is measurement useful and when, uh, is it just, it really is, should just be a piece of data that contributes to the overall picture. It's not the only thing that matters. Um, and uh, perhaps your solution there is one way to work around that.
0: Right. That makes sense. Definitely put it into a concise way. What was that quote again? The initial thing?
1: Uh, Goodhart's law. When a measure ceases to be useful, when it becomes the target.
0: I like that. So speaking of tracking habits and the Atomic Habit book out today, uh, we have also the Clear Habit Journal that has been published. In production now between James Claire and Baron fig for nearly a year so James do you want to uh,
1: tell everyone a little bit about it oh man I'm so excited about this so uh, yes it has been a process and uh, Joey has done a fantastic job um, taking my ideas and turning them into something beautiful and designing them up uh, along with the rest of the Baron fig team but it's sort of I and Joey I'd be interested to hear your take on the kind of the origin story of this as well but I've been thinking about creating some type of habit journal for a while now, definitely uh, over a few years. And one of the reasons that I had thought about that comes back to this topic that we've been talking about just a few minutes ago of tracking measurements and the importance of those things and how they influence our long-term behaviors and habits. And uh, you know, just a few moments ago, I said that You don't need to track most habits in life, but for a few of those core areas, the ones that are really important to you, uh, it can be really useful. And so I wanted to create a product that I felt like facilitated that in the the most important areas of life, the habits that you really care about. Is there a, a notebook, a journal, a product of some sort that could help usher along a little bit of that progress? And at the same time, I wanted to solve some of the issues that are associated with a lot of the journals that are out there right now you know, if you take a habit, like building a journaling habit, a lot of people understand that there is some great benefit to getting your ideas onto paper and out of your head. But if you talk to them about building the habit of journaling, most people only do it for like a day or two or a week or two, and then, you know, they'd never get back to it. So I was like, well, could we create a structure or a system, uh, a layout and a template in the habit journal that would make it easier for people to build a journey habit and to track and stick to the habits that are most important to them. And, uh, I think that we've been able to do it. So I'm really excited to to share the product with everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. I went back to our email chain, uh, before our conversation here and I read our initial ideas and it's pretty cool to see how, uh, the product has developed, over time, mm. so there are. I believe I'm scrolling up here to. Uh, we have a quick start guide in the front of our uh, guided journals. Now, there are four sections. So in in clear, we have an index. We have a one line per day section. Uh, we have the notebook itself, which I'm extremely excited about. It is a special grid called the split grid, and then we have habit trackers in the back. And on top of that, James wrote a dozen pages of content, written content that we have in the back of the book that helps you use the book and get the most out of it. So James, I want to start just kind of like break each of these sections down, even if it's just a little bit and tell me why out of all the things we could have put in here, why an index, for example, did you feel was necessary and one line per day and so on?
1: Sure. So each section of the journal is very carefully thought out. Uh, and I started with what are the main points of friction that prevent people from journaling or from using the the journal in, uh, to its full uh, extent? And um, so, for example, the habit journal uh, clear is uh, labeled with page numbers all the way throughout. And that was something that you often hear as a point of friction for people when they're uh, bullet journaling or dealing with their own um, habits and journaling methods. They hate having to write out the page numbers. So, okay, let's go ahead and remove that point of friction. Another one is creating an index. So the great thing about having page numbers and a pre-populated or designed index is that it makes it as seamless and as fast as possible for you to write down exactly where each section is and reference it as quickly as possible. Um, and this is kind of a theme that runs throughout the product, which is that I tried to find all these little points of friction, maybe even ones that you like wouldn't state, but that just take away from the experience of using the journal a little bit and, uh, and either remove those or redesign it so that, uh, we can overcome those points of friction in a more effortless way. So the index is, uh, is there, uh, with that usage, the, um, the next section is the one line per day journal. And so these twelve pages, which Joey, I thought you did a really nice job with the page bars there and the, able, the ability to you know circle the different months and so on. You effectively get uh, one one page per month throughout the entire year, and thirty-one lines per page, so you can fill out one line per day. And uh, this is also the first example of a, another theme that runs throughout the entire product, which is. Just enough structure to move you in the right direction and to make it easier and more effortless to do the thing you want to do, but while maintaining enough flexibility to be used for multiple uses. Um, this is something that looking at a lot of the other notebooks and products on the market w- frustrated me, which is that. Yeah, they have like a structure and a template. But if you want to do anything outside of the template that they have, it's almost impossible. The The notebook becomes, uh, it's no longer useful if you want to like adapt it to your own needs. And to me, that kind of goes a little bit against the grain of like what the purpose of a notebook is in the first place, which is to be able to have a space where you can create and build whatever it is that you're, you know, as your tastes and needs change and evolve, Yes, should be able yes. to with you, right?
0: Exactly. So when we started Baron Fig, I was adamant. I was like, we are not putting anything inside of our book. These are blank. It's either, you know, blank, empty ruled, empty dot grid, or empty, uh, just straight up blank. And I was passionate about that. We are not telling you how to use your notebook. So fast forward, it's been, I've been working on Baron Fig, you know, the quote unquote project. It's more than that now. Uh, for for over six years, and it's come a time where, where we do have to explore things that maybe are outside of my exact preferences, and that's fine, and I'm excited for it. Uh, so when James, when you were like, "Dude, I want to create structure, but I still want freedom," I was I was apprehensive because I've seen so many of these books, just like you, where they're like, "Oh, here is you know the daily journal," but then it's telling you what question to answer you know what if for example what am i grateful for or you know what was my top achievement today but for this book which i like so much and so many for so many reasons the one example is the one line per day where you're answering a question or or responding to a prompt you are the person that sets up the prompt so these dozen pages or so for the 12 months in the year At the top, there's a little star with a special star next to an empty line. And that's where you write your prompt. And then you fill it out every day below. So we are not telling you what to do. You are telling yourself what to do. And we're just facilitating that.
1: I think that's crucial that each page maintains that flexibility. You know, so the one line per day section, it can become whatever you want. Like if you want it to be, what is my most important task of the day? Well, then you can write that down and then you kind of get this interesting uh, look at the end of the month to see what was the most important thing that I worked on each day. Or you could say, you know, what am I grateful for today? And so then it becomes that page becomes like one line per day of a gratitude journal. And then you get to look back at the end of the month and see everything you're grateful for. And if you fill out all 12 pages, then you get to look back at the end of the year and see a whole year's worth of gratitude. Um, but if you want it to be something totally different, you know, it could be It could be a sleep journal and each day you write down like how you slept, how you slept, how long you slept and how you felt when you woke up or a mood journal. Same kind of thing. Um, If you want it to be like a daily memory book, you could just write one sentence about each day and then you get to the end of the month or the end of the year and you can flip back through and see, you know, read one sentence about the whole time. But it, it, that type of flexibility it makes it easier for you to get into the work because there is a little bit of structure there. And it's like, let's make it as easy as possible. What's the easiest way to build a journaling habit. All you have to do is write one line. Um, but it maintains the adaptability to become whatever you want. You know, like you can, I wanted to build this journal for a variety of different people building habits. Like you can imagine someone could use this book as their workout journal. And so in the, the split grid section, they just record all their workouts In the one line per day section, maybe they use it as that like sleep tracker example that I had. So they're tracking their health there. And then in the back where they have the habit trackers, they can track some of their health habits like, you know, did I go to the gym today? Did I drink eight glasses of water? Did I do my stretching? You know, and so on and so forth. Did I take a protein shake? Whatever. And um, this same structure that someone, that one person is using for their workout habits can be used without any additional friction For, say, an investor who uses it as a decision journal, that for them, they can have their most important task of each day in the one line section, they can have the decision journal in the split grid, and then they can track some of their, um, you know, investing and learning habits in the back in the trackers It could be like, you know, did I read one page today? And did I write, you know, like one sentence today and stuff like that, anything associated with learning or whatever is relevant for their work. And um, that level of adaptability, I feel like, is one of the things that separates the design of this journal. And um, yeah, and I'm just I'm really excited about that.
0: Yeah, I'm psyched. So I'm going to explain real quick the split grid, which makes up the majority of the notebook. It's, uh, it's pretty much a normal dot grid, especially if you're not looking too closely. But if you pay attention all around the borders of every uh, page on the left and right, there are little markings, unobtrusive markings that help you split the grid into halves or thirds extremely easy and that either vertically or horizontally so that you can quickly make lists or, uh, you know, track your workout, for example, diagram things, et cetera, um, so it's it's ext- extremely versatile and I can't wait to use one of these myself actually.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think you know, if you wanted to do something simple like divide the page into, you know, thirds and then be able to do like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and then the other page is Thursday, Friday and the weekend. You suddenly you can just draw those lines in half a second without having to count dots or do anything. I mean, I don't, Joey, I don't know if everybody does this, but like when I had a dot grid, I was, if I wanted to make something and make it, lay it out so that, you know, the page was evenly divided in half or evenly divided into thirds. I was always counting dots. Um, <laughs> and now you don't have to do that. Anymore. You know, we've just got, we have that half and third mark uh, signified. You just, I mean, you can just do it instantly. It's just uh, again, it's a little point of friction that is removed for the experience of the notebook user.
0: Right, right, and then all those little points add up, and it's it's quite the experience. So, James, more than anything, this is the habit journal, right? So, we've got these twelve habit trackers in the back, and how do they relate uh, to kind of what you've been doing the last you know six eight years in Atomic Habits?
1: Right. So, the the final section in the journal, uh, or the the fourth section, is uh, the habit trackers, and the purpose of this template was to create a way for you to make it as easy as possible, as frictionless as possible to track some of those important habits in your life. And um, habit tracking is important because it does three, three different things. So the first thing is habit tracking provides like a visual cue or evidence of the improvement that you're making or the progress that you've made. So it's like a reminder or a prompt, you know, like, let's say, for example, that you're tracking, um, you know, the habit that you write on the the template is, you know, did I do yoga for 10 minutes So 10 minutes yoga? And then you do that and you mark a little X or a dot or you shade in the cell or whatever you want to do to signify that. Um, And you do that for three days in a row. So you've got like three X's in a row on the tracker. And then these pages, the habit trackers are perforated. So if you, if you want, you can just keep them in the notebook, uh, which I think is what I'll probably do actually. Uh, but if you want to remove them and uh, tear them out, it's easy to do that. And you can just, you know, hang it on the fridge or put it on your desk at work or have it in your bedroom or so on. And, um, being able to see that, see those three X's in a row, suddenly that reminds you, Oh, I need to do yoga today. So the first thing that it does is it acts as a cue as a prompt. The second thing is there's sort of this like additive effect to motivation when it comes to tracking your habits. So, you know, for each day that you put down, you start to get additional momentum to keep that streak alive. And even if you don't feel like doing it today, you know, oh, I don't feel like pulling out my yoga mat, but you see that you've got six days in a row now, um, you kind of don't want to lose your progress as well. So it, it, uh, it, in, it incites a little bit of motivation to stick with the habit. Yeah. And then- don't break the chain. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and so then the third and final thing that it does is that it provides a little bit of immediate satisfaction at the end of the behavior. And this is, um, it's modest, but it's also incredibly important because the only reason that we have to repeat behaviors is if the ending is satisfying in some way. Uh, you're, it's almost like having an ending that feels successful or satisfying or enjoyable or pleasurable It's like a positive emotional signal to the brain where it says, Hey, that felt good. Like you should repeat this again next time. And, uh, without that, we don't have much reason to repeat a habit. And so the, even though it's modest, the feeling of putting an X on the calendar or checking off another uh, cell of habit tracker, it gives you, um, a little sense of satisfaction and another reason to, to come back again the next time. And the, um, you know, I always like to bring this up when I'm talking about habit tracking, because I think it's an important thing to keep in mind when it comes to long-term consistency which is that every habit streak will come to an end at some point. And when you fall off course, uh, many people end up thinking they have this like all or nothing mindset. We're like, Oh, you know, I guess I wasn't meant to stick to this diet or I guess I'm not someone who can be consistent or whatever. But the mantra that I like to keep in mind is never miss twice. You know, it's almost never the first mistake that ruins you. It's the spiral of repeated mistakes that follows. And so, you know, if you're trying to stick to a diet and you've got four days in a row and then your friend wants to go out to happy hour or something and you go out with them, well, that's fine. Like maybe you wish that hadn't happened, but put all of your energy now into having a healthy meal for your next meal. Or when I was, uh, when I was writing every Monday and Thursday, well, maybe I miss on Thursday, but now I need to put all my attention into making sure I get an article out on Monday. So you want to get back on track as quickly as possible. And I think that idea of never miss twice if you pair that with building up these habit streaks and using the habit tracker that can be a really powerful kind of one-two combo for making sure you stay on track with your habits in the long run
0: this idea of uh, never miss twice is this in atomic habits
1: it is yes so I talk about it um, I think it's chapter 16 uh, we talk more about habit tracking in detail and uh, and that's also one of the things I'm really excited about you know I, I talk about the importance of habit tracking in atomic habits and then with the uh, clear the habit journal we've created a product that makes it easier to do all those things. So um, it makes me feel like, you know, I'm kind of like walking people through it and, uh, and giving them the, the tools that they need.
0: Absolutely. So we've done a, several new, uh, this, this edition actually has a bunch of firsts for Baron Figs. So right away, I mean, it's one of the first guided notebooks. So I think this will be uh, the second or third. And it's the first split grid. It's the first, it's got a folder in the back. Uh, It's the first with an index. It's the first with numbered pages. Uh, But beyond the product, oh, and it has two bookmarks. Beyond the product, it's also the first where we've decided to uh, sell a book along with it. So James's book, Atomic Habits, is purchasable today through Baron Fig, and you can buy it along with the Clear Habit Journal as a bundle. So you buy both, and I think you actually save a little bit. And we will ship out James's book today, and then in January, when Clear Habit Journal is released, we'll automatically ship that to
1: you as well. Oh man, that's awesome! That's such a cool combo.
0: I know I can't I can't wait to see how this works, man. I'm so psyched. Uh, this is just the coolest all around. Uh, so before we go, I just want to touch on the uh, the content in the back because it's also there's we we really really spent a lot of time making this good. And It would be a travesty not to mention it. Um, so James wrote the toolkits in the back. There's a dozen pages, and there are four of them. There's the habit tracker toolkit, decision making toolkit, uh, productivity, and fitness. And James, what was what were your thoughts on putting these in here as opposed to you know something else?
1: Well, my main thought was that I wanted people to get the full use out of uh, out of what we had created. Uh, you know, to be able to see all the different ways they can use this journal and notebook. And the, the toolkits are primarily different ways to utilize the split grid. And you know, the power of the split grid is that it can do anything that a normal dot grid notebook can do. Um, it's just as versatile as any of those pages, but it also has these, you know, these subtle markings that make it easier to divide the page up as needed for, for various uses. And the toolkits, the toolkits talk through some of those use cases. So for example, you know, in the decision-making toolkit, uh, i provide you know a story and example of um, of what second order consequences are second order thinking is and how you can use uh, the split grid to come up with this like second order thinking template to think through the long-term decision long-term consequences and outcomes of your decisions and help you hopefully make better decisions in the moment or how to use the journal as a decision journal if you're interested in reviewing your choices some of those major decisions and how you can make better choices over the long run Then other toolkits like the fitness toolkit is about how to use it as a workout tracker or a sleep tracker or so on. Um, The productivity toolkit is about how to uh, divide up your to-do list or uh, figure out your priorities and what you should focus on. So each of these pages is, uh, it kind of shows you the full range of things that are possible within the notebook. And of course, you can use it however you'd like. Um, but they just provide some additional examples that show you maybe the depth of thinking that went into designing this and the, uh, versatility and use cases that you can, uh, that you can get the most out of it. You know, I wanted to be able to give people this notebook and for it to actually be a tool that helps them build better health habits and productivity habits and decision-making habits. And I feel like the, the toolkits kind of help close the loop on that and give people everything they need in, in one nice package.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of fascinating techniques here. And as always with James, you put some science into everything. Um, and I, I, even though this is 12 pages, this is 12 dense pages of things that can literally, and I don't use that word lightly, literally change your life and, and make a huge different difference in your health and your productivity and just kind of your work. And also, to me personally, what I love most about creating systems and habits and, and Tasks and all that stuff is that in the end, when I have everything set and I have a system that works, I am significantly stress-free. Like I know how things are falling together. I know what I have to do. I know what I've done, and I I can see things coming uh, from a distance. If anything needs to be adjusted, which which helps, just life helps my life be that much more enjoyable. And I think that. what you've written here and what we've put together is going to help a lot of people and in, in simplify all those techniques into something they can actually use, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I'm very excited about it. And I uh, just as a little fun aside, I think my favorite part of the toolkits are the set of questions that's on the decision journal page. Um, they are very deep set of questions for like thinking about major decisions in your life and how to handle those and how to make better choices and, um, as far as I know that I, I sourced those questions from many different areas in a broad range of research, um, even though it just looks like a quick little list. And as far as I know, nobody's ever put all those in one place before. So I'm, I'm like actually really excited to have those there. I, I feel, I feel like that toolkits a really useful, um, one. And of course the other ones are great too, but that's just kind of like one of my little favorite, uh, nooks and crannies inside the, the,
0: product. yeah. Yeah. I think I could, I could say that about every one of these there. They all are just Super cool, my favorite. Uh, the one that blew my mind was second order thinking. I, di- I did not know the term for the method for kind of thinking through several decisions as opposed to just thinking about the next uh, the the consequence of an immediate decision and not kind of following through so that's that was super cool for me and, and I think everybody's going to have their their own favorite page. So James, that brings us to the end of the book, the end of uh, today's podcast. But James will be back in a couple months when the Clear Habit Journal releases to talk even more about habits. I know I could go on forever. So that's a wrap for today's Thinker Talk. And you can learn more about Eureka via And James, where can our listeners connect with you?
1: Sure. So you can see more of my work at jamesclear.com. And uh, feel free to poke around a little bit and check out the articles and so on. And, uh, of course, Atomic Habits is available, uh, both at Baron Fig and, um, also we have some additional resources associated with the book, like, um, some bonus chapters that got cut and, uh, some templates and exercises and so on. Uh, and that's at AtomicHabits.com. So, uh, yeah, feel free to poke around and see what, uh, Yeah, and
0: goes. I highly recommend you go to JamesClear.com now because there's, of course, Atomic Habits, but there's just so much great content dating all the way back to 2012 <laughs> Pretty much every anything you click on is a fascinating read. And everyone out there, thank you for listening. Links are available in our show notes, which makes it even easier. So remember to subscribe to Eureka if you dig what we're up to. Until next time.